I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's not much left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. Men spend most <laughs> their lives living in the gangster's paradise. I, I, I love, like, because you're not feeling well. Right. Like, you, you gave it this, like, Tom Waitsian rasp. <laughs> <laughs> it went to a very different place. Yeah, it's, it's almost, like, dirge-like. Well, you know, you know why I had to go with Gangster's Paradise? Apparently, in the, at CinemaCon... Uh, when they when they showed some footage of ye old Sonic the Hedgehog the motion picture. Oh no! Apparently, in the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog is a needle drop for Gangsters Paradise. Coolio's getting those bucks. Those bucks. Well, s- someone has to. Somebody's got to. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Continue Podcast. This is episode forty-five. My name is Anthony. John Agnello, and I'm not trying out a new sexy voice. Uh, this is <laughs> just, just what I just what I sound like. That's that's just what he sounds. It's like. just what I sound like when I'm saying. Uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, we're down a host today. Susan Arndt can't be with us. We'll do our best to really pour on the anime bullshit while we can. Dave Always. and I are Dave and I are gonna get into some real anime bullshit, which is what happens when we have our freedom. <laughs> uh, we've also uh, with me uh, keeping it real, keeping everything on lockdown is Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. They say when you go on to Best Buy's employee website at midnight, it leaks the exact time of your death. <laughs> it leaks the exact time. It leaks the exact moment that you'll finally, finally play Borderlands 2 and and be like, wait a second, this isn't even this that is good. A, this is not great. Yeah, why did everybody say this yelling awesome? a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Best Buy, that was a mysterious leak this oh, past week. Like, it started out... Like, Plausible. okay, yeah, it started out like, okay, Persona 5, we, we've all been expecting that. Sure. Metroid Prime Trilogy, okay, yeah, like, we've all been yes, expecting we've that. all been, Link to the Past, what the fuck? What the fuck? Link to the Past, alright, so, alright, so Best <laughs> Buy, Best Buy did have very briefly listings uh, for Persona 5 and uh, uh, Metroid Prime Trilogy. Both for Switch. Both for yeah. Switch, and The Legend of Zelda a link to the past, the Super Nintendo game. <clears throat> now, all all of these leaks were well documented as they came up by uh, Jeff Keeley, aka Warrior sixty four, on Twitter. <laughs> tweeting on his cell phone. And, <clears throat> tweeting on his cell phone at a meeting for the twenty twenty game. Doling awards. out the world exclusives. Yeah. And as he was doing this, he pointed out that this was not a listing error for the already announced Nintendo Switch remake of Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, the Game Boy game. It was a separate listing. Best Buy pulled down all three the morning after, further sort of enforcing the fact that these were real listings. Now, I like I, I don't want to like go like to Occam's razor here, but I had a moment where I was like, is Nintendo going to sell Super Nintendo games for like thirty dollars a pop on individual cartridges? I could see it happening. 
to be perfectly honest, I can imagine Nintendo doing that. But then, like, my mind got a little, little wild in there, in my head, and I was like, well, they can't be remaking it, because Granzella, the studio that that is responsible for the biggest Zelda remakes in recent years, uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask for 3DS, those are from-the-ground-up remakes of those games by a really talented studio called Granzella. I was like, it can't be them, because Granzella's doing the Link's Awakening remake. And then I looked it up, and Granzella is not making the Link's Awakening remake, which means that Granzella has not been working on anything that we know about since Majora's Mask remake shipped at the beginning of uh, 2015. So what have they been doing? So hot damn. I, I like I was like are they going to do a full 3D remake of A Link to the Past? That would be interesting. Yeah. I, you know. And I could see them doing it like <clears throat> A like a companion piece with Link's Awakening Absolutely. as well, like release both at the same time. Because I those mean, games were the, like in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Link's uh, Link to the Past came out in ninety one, and Link's Awakening came out in ninety three, and they were like canonically linked. Like in the press materials, that is supposed to be the same Link from Link to the Past, and it was like, oh, after he saved Hyrule, he sought more adventure on the high seas, and they yeah. Got, Swallowed by a fucking whale wearing a carpet. No, it's a he. It's a dream. Yeah, it's all a dream in the body of a whale wearing a carpet. The whale is real. You see oh. him at the end. Oh, he's flying through the sky. Man, spoilers. I haven't played that game in years. Spoilers, everybody. Spo- yeah, spoilers, guys, for this hot new game coming out. But uh, yeah, like that would be. I just wonder why Nintendo would lead with Link's Awakening. Yeah. As the announcement and not linked to the past. Yeah. That's but that's I, that's weird. That's a weird maybe, choice. Maybe maybe I mean Nintendo is like firing on all cylinders now. Yeah. So I wonder if they just they're they're a lot more savvy about what's gonna hit mm. in the uh the social medias. Yeah. And like Link's Awakening as the surprise mic drop is like because it's like a forgotten classic, it's mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. not forgotten classic, but it's definitely like Link's Awa- Link to the Past is the obvious remake. <clears throat> Link's yeah. Awakening is what, what's going to get you the people that go... <gasps> it's going to get assholes like me talking yeah. about like About Nintendo. saving that damn windfish with the, just, with the Bow Wow Chain Chomp. Just give me that. I like a big fish wearing a carpet whose soul is an owl. That's, <laughs> that's what gets me hot, everybody. What can I say? Uh, <clears throat> so speaking of all this Zelda stuff... Yeah, there's a there's other Zelda Zelda news. I am glad this is a good thing that Susan is not on this episode, because I think that nobody on Earth is more tired of Link uh, in, in, <laughs> on the planet than Susan. Aren't. Uh, I mean, she liked Breath of the Wild. Though, she liked right? Breath of the Wild. She loves Link Between Worlds, but she's just she's just like done with yeah. with Zelda. I am not. I'm ready. I'm ready to love again, Dave. After uh, yeah, that's right. Because you didn't like Breath of the Wild, like like notoriously so. I notori- well, it's um, got game breakingly bad features. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I have been replaying it with my son because mm-hmm. uh, like he started, um, he picked up the game, just kind of loaded it up, and started doing stuff, and then he got to the part 
where you see Calamity Ganon, like the big swirling right. thing, like off in the distance, the you Hyrule got, Castle. You got, you got off of the he, island. Well, no, we didn't get off the island, but it's like the first moment when the game is like, oh, so this is like, this is what you need to defeat. And it's like right after you beat the first shrine, I think. And he sees that, he's like, oh, that's the beast. What is that? That's, is it a big beast? And he's like, all, all, he's now obsessed with this beast is mm. asking me like how big is the beast is it bigger than the house over there is it bigger than the tree i'm like i don't know we'll have to find out so like it got to the point where like he's asking so much he's like okay we're gonna play through this again well i will play it yeah. you'll hang out with me you'll help he, <coughs> like, he he takes care of all the cooking mm-hmm. uh but like uh we've, we've been going through it together like every night before bed we play for about an hour and uh we've been having a lot of fun with it mm. and like what I've noticed is that a lot of my and your frustration, a lot of like the, the big frustrations with the game. Now that I know how that game works yeah, and the, the order of it, they don't frustrate me as much because one, once you know that there's a master sword and how to get it, right. Your whole issue with collecting weapons is gone. <laughs> Just go get the master sword. Yeah. As soon as you can. And two, once you learn that the game becomes so much easier to navigate once you get that ability that lets you leap in the air like a hundred mm-hmm. feet, mm-hmm. you beeline it to that. You yeah. do that, and like you're golden for the. Re- yep. It's it like the the game becomes less about fighting the limitations of it and more about just, just exploring. Getting out it. there, getting out yeah. there and exploring. It's uh, yeah. The thing, the things that still get me about it are like. I, I, honestly, honestly, Breath of the Wild to me would be a perfect game if just take the weapon system out, yank it the fuck out, remove it entirely. If you want to give Link a bunch of different weapons that he collects and they're permanent, fine. If you want it to be like Wind Waker, where he yanks them out of an enemy's hand and you only have a limited use thing in that situation, fine. But you, but you still have your sword. <clears throat> but you still have your sword. You have a permanent shield, a permanent sword. Great. Fix that. Also make an inventory system that wasn't built with you having a tablet. For a second screen, yeah. For a second screen. <laughs> very, very simple. Like, the cooking, the co- all of that shit is so tedious. It's so tedious. And then, just have the number of spirit orbs that you need for a new heart container and a new stamina wheel. Make it two instead of four. Make everybody's life a lot more pleasant. Done. Now it's a perfect game. I'd love it. I'd marry it. <laughs> Ten I would, out of ten stars. I would take Bre- the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. We would go to we would go to Niagara Falls. I would get the honeymoon suite from Richard Donner's Superman Two, and <laughs> I low slain would fall off. <clears throat> no, Breath of the Wild would see me put my hand in the fire and realize that I didn't get burned and that I was Superman, and then we'd fall in love. Okay, but I guess in this scenario that means like. I don't know. Like, so, so it's not the Richard Donner cut where she shoots you. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't okay. shoot me. No, I am still beat up by a trucker in a diner, though, after <laughs> Breath of the Wild and I sleep together. His, Breath of the Wild and I have weird ice palace okay, sex and then I get note, the shit kicked out of me. The implications of that <sighs> scene are incredible <laughs> because Superman has <laughs> spun the earth back in time to the point where that scene never happened to him to like normal. That's right. 
Clark Clant. So he just goes into this diner and beats the shit out of a random dude. Just a fucking guy. Yeah. I mean, like, who's a dick? Like, yeah, no he's mistake. a dick, but, like, he he had but done nothing super, to him Superman. in that timeline. Right. He just and beats he just, the shit out of him. Throws him down a table. Yeah. And, uh, and, he, and then he says, I've never seen garbage eat garbage before. All right. Which is a... <laughs> that's a terrible... Anyway, I, all right. So before, before we leave Superman two, before before we leave this very bizarre <laughs> tangent that I sent us down, I want to say Superman two in, in both cuts has my favorite establishing shot and establishing scene dialogue in any movie ever made. When Zod and his crew come down to the planet, the establishing shot is they're in Texas, right, and yeah. they're just two cops. It's like this cardboard cutout town, like yeah. in the middle of Podunk, Texas, yeah, right? it, like yeah. out, outside of Houston. And there are two cops in like a squad car. And there's like, of course, there's like the fat old cop and the skinny young cop. Right. And the 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 fat old cop is trying to convince the young cop to go to a seafood place. There is no like there's it, it maybe lasts all of 30 seconds. There's no, like, reason that this would be in the movie. It's just two cops talking, and he's like, I don't like seafood. And the fat cop will always just, like, wait for a beat, and they'll be like, they have a wide variety. (laughs) Like, it repeats, like, twice. They have a wide variety. And then fucking space Nazis in, in, like, disco clothes come and beat the shit out of them. Giorgio Moroto's posse shows yeah, up. George- <laughs> a fucking Daft Punk video appears <laughs> and blows up their cop car. It's the greatest scene in all... Fuck Fellini. This is the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever happened in film. Kurosawa, pass. Pass. <laughs> Fuck it. Jodorowsky, you want a real visionary, check out Richard Donner's fat cop, young cop, to where it is at. <laughs> Alright, I let us I let us far astray. Okay, back to Zelda. <clears throat> so Zelda, Breath of the Wild, you're replaying Breath of the Wild. We might actually be getting a sequel to Breath of the Wild. Or sequel. something. Because the, the implication from this is that that's the path they're going down. So there's <clears throat> a, a job listing on Monolith Soft's uh, website where they're looking for... They are working on a new Zelda... And they are hiring people to work on said Zelda, mm-hmm. uh, specifically like technical artists, planners, uh, programmers, uh, game designers, that sort of thing. And so, like the the scope of jobs that they're looking for seems to be like bigger than the what they did for Breath of the Wild. Like the the the. From what I understand, they basically helped out with the environments. Yeah, they 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 took Breath over. The yeah, they took they took over in. <clears throat> I want to say they had a huge staff already working on environments in Breath of the Wild, and then once Xenoblade Chronicles X wrapped in 2015, they moved over because that yeah. was like right when because you know like when Breath of the Wild was supposed to come out in 2015. Yeah, and. They were like, no, we're delaying it indefinitely. That's when Monolith Soft, like, fully okay. moved over to working on it. Because, you know, because, like, Monolith Soft <coughs> has proven themselves, uh, if if nothing else, to be extremely capable at designing, like, 
just the weirdest, coolest alien like landscapes. Like Xenoblade Chronicles X is many things. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Man, that's a cool place. To boring, run and boring. Have. That landscape is not like yeah. All all of their environments, like nobody is better, <clears throat> especially for like fantasy sci-fi settings. Ma- designing an open world that is laid out in fascinating architectural and geographic ways. Like yeah. uh, man, I my issues with Breath of the Wild have never been. Uh, aesthetic or design. I think that world is amazing. And yeah, like the fact that they're staffing up big time to make their own Zelda project is so exciting to me. It's yeah, so exciting. It really, it, it really does sound like that. Cause like one of the things that I was always wondering was, okay, so you have this lineage of Zelda up to this point, right? And like ever since Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time sort of laid the groundwork for mm-hmm. how Zelda's supposed to work, you know, overworld dungeon, overworld dungeon, and collect eye, blah 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 blah. Some would say it got stale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you know, like there there, there is something to, uh, comforting about that formula, but no, it is definitely not. Like it is a formula. You know exactly what you're getting. And then Breath of the Wild was supposed to be like the break from that mold, right? And so I was always wondering, like. Okay, so now that they've done this break, are they going back to the old well again? Mm, mm. Or are they going to go in this new direction for a sequel? And so it sounds like they're going to go off in this new direction again, which is exciting, but also worries me a little bit. Because Mm. I don't want them to just make Breath of the Wild, but bigger again. Yeah. Well, because like I I don't have really like I I do think that there are problems with it, but I still enjoyed myself in spite of those. You have bigger grievances with it. Hey, I I I but, put seventy hours into two different playthroughs of that game. <laughs> I I did my due diligence. I wanted to yeah. love it. I really did. But uh, I do think that there are things about that game that uh, I miss from yeah. the older games that I wish were there, and I think could be there for a, a future game. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I, like, what, what would you want? So it's funny. The, the sort of dialogue that surrounds Breath of the Wild is always really interesting to me because <clears throat> they were like, yeah, we really need to break with the, the sort of link to the past mold that carried on through Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, all of those things. And people forget that there have been two, well, three major Zeldas uh, this decade, and one of them was a handheld game that was a direct sequel to Link to the Past, and they were like, let's mess with the conventions directly in that. But Breath of the Wild isn't the only Zelda that really broke with that structure. You're talking about Wanda Gamelon. I'm talking about that sweet, sweet Zelda's adventure for CDI. (laughs) Photorealistic characters, everybody. Uh, no, I, I, Skyward Sword, Skyward Sword is so different and so experimental. Like it went in the exact opposite direction, uh, from what Breath of the Wild did. It like, they're interesting companion pieces because Breath of the Wild is saying, what if we went with complete openness? We gave you ultimate freedom in how to approach, you know, the, the A to B goal and gave you no structure whatsoever. And Skyward Sword said, what if we really double down 
on the linearity and say, like, let's give you a very structured, very rigid path through something that, you know, is still very adventurous. It's putting you into a lot of different environments, but it is about, like, sort of uh, compacting the things that made Zelda what it is. Uh, all of the spaces that you go to, and you really don't have a lot of options on where you go in Skyward Sword, it's making everything very dense. Uh, <clears throat> like, two huge dungeons in a very, very small, explorable yeah, well, open and space. You also go back to a lot, like, the same locations yeah. multiple times and, like, find new things there. Yeah, and even, like, the town. The town that you're constantly going, like, that is your home-based, uh, Skyloft, is all about, like, really getting to know a handful of characters. You get to know everybody. There's always stories that you have with every single one of them. And, you know, like Breath of the Wild, Skyward Sword has a lot of problems. Skyward Sword is... I, I find that Skyward Sword's problems and Breath of the Wild's problems are very different, but they boil down to the same thing, which is a disrespect of your time. Uh, they put in completely different ways. Yeah, completely different ways. But it's all about like these barriers between you and the game. <clears throat> and the thing is, is I think that the things that I adored about Skyward Sword, this super vivid world with these very vivid characters and these very sort of precise narrative pathways, are things that Monolith Soft are amazing at. They're so good at those things. And that's like all Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is all about getting to know uh, these, these sort of tight-knit communities of characters and placing you in environments that feel really enormous but are ultimately really, really compact and layered. And so like my, like when I heard this announcement, I was like, that is exactly who I want making you know, the the Switch's sort of equivalent of a Majora's Mask or a Link's Awakening, the weirdo follow-up to the big successful one. That's exactly who I want making it, and that's exactly what I want to see. I want to see, uh, you know, Monolith Soft do what they're best at and sort of marry the best parts of Twilight uh, Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild into yeah. a cohesive game that doesn't stand in your way. How about you, yeah. man? Like, what do you mean? Uh, like, I, so my, uh, <clears throat> my desires are a little, like, less philosophical mm. and more just, like, uh, one of the things that I miss the most about from Breath of the Wild of the other Zelda games, and one of the things that I think is, like, part of the series' DNA has always been the gadgets that you get, yeah. the equipment that you find, the stuff that, like, kind of uh, Metroidvanias, the, the, you know, like it, it, it gates you in some ways, but it also presents you with interesting puzzles to solve that make, uh, like that's the kind of the Nintendo magic is right. they'll have an idea and they'll go, well, what are the way, what are the things that we can do with this idea? Ring the most out of it. And then that's it. Yeah. Like that, and and like Zelda games are full of that stuff because you get so many cool things like Pegasus boots, the the wand that makes those little blocks appear, magic power, like all kinds, the hook shot, like um, and even games that are less sort of beloved now, like Skyward Sword, or like <coughs> even Twilight Princess, like Twilight Princess, dude, that that game had a fucking top you wrote on, yeah, that thing it did. kicked ass. Yeah. And like there's a whole dungeon built around it, which you like send you up and down the walls and like it was just super cool. Um 
I want more of that shit. Like the thing that disappointed me the most about Breath of the Wild was like you see all of the stuff that you're gonna get yeah. in that first island or that first like little plateau area. And that's really it. Like you, you get more equipment that helps with different stats and stuff, and you will find different weapons around, but they all break. They all break so in they can't, two seconds, yeah. So they can't like and all of the puzzles are a lot more systemic. Yeah. So there are usually multiple ways. So like something's frozen, it's like, well, if I have a fire one, I can use it, or I can just drop some flint and smack it with a with a stone sword and make a fire or whatever. Um So I think having more concrete Yeah. Uh, puzzles and I also I just I want it to feel even more organic because one of the things about Breath of the Wild is like while the shrines are cool like that was the way that you got that little like hit of Zelda puzzle they are so segmented yeah. that it almost feels like it's kind of like I, uh, I hate the shrines I like, think the, it, the, like, like the story behind the Talos principle <clears throat> Was that all of the puzzles that they made for that game were puzzles that they like wanted to fit into a serious Sam or something? But like, oh, I didn't know that. Or yeah, like they they had some ideas for puzzles for like serious Sam, but like they never found a way to fit them in. So they made so they like they developed more puzzles, obviously, but they they built this narrative around it, which is why like I love that game, but the puzzles and the narrative they don't really fit. No, you know? they, they, they it's really ju- It's just like your puzzle, 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 <clears throat> using narrative drip. Um, and so, yeah, like I want, I want to, I want that Skyrim feel. Like I don't like Skyrim, but I think that I want that Skyrim feel where I'm just walking along and I stumble across a cave. Yeah. And in the, inside that cave is a mini little dungeon thing. Mm-hmm. That feels like it was put there by somebody that wasn't just like yeah like uh like Yaddle said in, in our chat like that like it wasn't just this big blue room that yeah. looks the same as all of the other big blue rooms, um, <sighs> and you know I wonder how much of that was just like Nintendo not used to making games like this like you said like Monolith Soft kind of came in late help them rebuild the environment. And I wonder if it was, that was just the concession to get this game out the door was like, well, we need to have some puzzles in here. Boop, 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 boop. Right, right, right. And then like, you know, there are the, 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 the dungeon equivalents in breath of the wild. And they're too short. They're really cool because they <clears throat> do some really cool stuff with like space and how yeah. you interact with the dungeon and like flipping around, but they're over and like, they're over. They're over in an hour. Minutes. Yeah, like, and they're also just they're they're also so visually, you know, sterile compared to the rest of, uh, compared to the rest of the game. Like, yeah. Uh, again, Yaddle here in the chat is talking about the island that you find that is completely optional that you could go to, and it's like a survival island. Yeah. You, when you land on it, you're stripped of all of your uh, items, and you have to like kill everything on there just with what you find and it's to use this word that is uh relevant to all of our conversations about zelda dave uh is very specific that island yeah. is very that, spe- that, that specificity that you so love that specificity uh and that specificity is missing from the rest of the game and when the specificity does appear in breath of the wild it's not rewarded in meaningful ways you know i i the moment that i simultaneously fell in love with breath of the wild and immediately broke up with it 
divorced it, said, you are not my Lois Lane. <laughs> Niagara Falls never happened. And I flew around the planet to turn back time was when you sort of uh, you can glide across from one of the plains era, areas where Kakariko villages and you go over into this snowy mountainous territory and as you get into that territory, a monstrous fucking snow dragon yeah. comes out of a cave and it's like, oh shit, that's going to kill me. Or am I going to shoot it in the face with arrows? And like the, the experience of bringing it down, realizing that there are like heat vents that push you back into the air so you can keep attacking it and fighting this dragon. I was like, this is amazing. And, you know, I spent like an hour trying to figure out how to do it, do it. All of a sudden you can go into the cave that it came out of and it's like, here's an ice spear. It's like legendary ice spear. And it's going to break. And I was like, this is dope. And I went down the mountain path that I could walk down and one little goblin asshole came out. I stabbed him twice and it was like, your ice spear has shattered. Fuck you, game. Fuck you. <laughs> For all of time. Yeah. Like that's, that's ultimately, the, I think that, that the, what needs to be fixed in the new one is just meaningful rewards. Yeah. Meaningful permanence. And Monolith uh, Soft is so good at that. Monolith Soft is so good at giving you an experience that is just like totally distinct. Like I, I didn't like the gotcha system in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 where, you know, you, you're trying to constantly oh, yeah. summon new magical companions. I guess companions is the politic word. Yeah. With well. what, what blades <laughs> are. Uh, <clears throat> but like, you know, when you would finally get one that was one of the specific special ones, not only could you find them, but all of a sudden you unlock all these specific quests that are just for that character. And you get unique dialogue that's just for that character. You might not even run into them in the game. Like, Monolith Soft is so good with peppering their game with just these, these, these deep, deep well of specificity. And I think, ah, oh man, I'm excited for that. I yeah. think it's really do cool. You, do you think that this is just going to be like a solo Monolith Soft joint? Or do you think they're they're working in conjunction uh, with the you know, internal team again? Or I, do you think, like, Nintendo, like, that's not even what Nintendo... Like, they, they're a lot more fluid... So, These days, I bet. I.G. Ayanuma, the the guy who's been the producer of the Zelda series since Majora's Mask at this point. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I.G. Ayanuma has been steering the Zelda series longer than Miyamoto did. I love reminding people of that fact. Yeah. It's, it's really his series. Like Miyamoto like created it, but like yeah. ever since ever since Ocarina, right? Yeah, well, Ocar Ocarina was directed by the same guy that directed uh, Zelda 2 actually huh. uh but <clears throat> you know Miyamoto was very involved like that was when his role as producer was still in the very traditional 80s 90s uh mold of the producer on the game is really the one who spearheads everything like final right. say and everything but then you know Ayanuma took over as producer after that and I'm sure that he's working on this but I my understanding is he Ayanuma said around uh, GDC 2018 that he was his team was working on something original. Uh, hmm. So I think I think that what Monolith Soft is doing is really that, you know, every every single major Zelda ever 
has always had, there's the one that sort of creates the standard and it's the standard bearer. And then the follow up is weird as shit. <laughs> Zelda, yeah. Zelda one begets Zelda two link to the past begets links awakening Ocarina of time begets Majora's mask. Uh, you know, wind waker gives you a game. Wind waker goes from sailing on a ship with pleasant cartoon characters to a game where a goblin sits on your dog back and you have to make a fucking Yeti soup. Twilight Princess is weird as hell. <laughs> so well, then there's the, the DS <laughs> games too that were born out of Wind Waker. Yeah, man. But you like yell even, at your DS to even the DS games like Phantom Hourglass. Phantom Hourglass feels like a fairly traditional Zelda, and then the next one you are on a train. Yeah, like. Every other one gets weird. Uh, so, yeah, let them, let them do it. Let them fire it up, man. Get weird. Uh, this is actually a perfectly linked subject. Because, <laughs> uh, oh! <laughs> a link between they have a wide variety. <laughs> it's just, it's just going to be that kind of episode, guys. Uh yeah, I, like, Breath of the Wild, I, I talk shit on Breath of the Wild, and I, I, it's something that I apparently have felt the need to keep talking about for two years. <laughs> Everyone's, like, over it, and you're just <sighs> like, no, you guys. <laughs> no, no. But I, it's, it's relevant to what I wanted to discuss on this episode, which is, you know, I, I really gave Breath of the Wild my all. I played my first playthrough... Uh, which I unfortunately didn't get to finish, went for about 50-plus hours. And my second playthrough ended up tapping out just under 30. And I, I've never finished it all the way. I've never, like, done everything. <clears throat> but I kept playing it because there are times when I play something or read something or watch something, which I know at the beginning I'm like, I don't like this. This isn't good. I don't enjoy this at all. <laughs> uh, but that I might... Like, you should force yourself to keep going. You know, in the same way that exercise, you do five crunches and you haven't done crunches in 20 years, you're like, I don't like crunches. But you know... <laughs> I, should, I should stop that. I should stop doing this. You know that if you keep doing crunches, you will ultimately feel better in all kinds of ways. Alternately, there are tons of games that I've played... Where, you know, I'll play for a couple of hours. I'll be like, this is great. 11 out of 10. It's the best game I've ever played. And I love it. And then as I keep going into it, I discover, wait a second. No, I don't. This is this is a very shallow <laughs> bullshit experience. <clears throat> the, the, the thing is, is how, how do you develop the strategies and sort of the philosophy and the approach to things to give the stuff that you spend your time playing the proper time that they need to take full shape. I've been thinking about this a lot over the past couple of weeks as I have tried and failed to complete Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Sekiro uh, is a game that I had a very similar emotional arc with as Breath of the Wild, where I started and I was like, this is not for me, but it's very well made to really sort of getting like my sea legs about 10 to 15 hours in and being like, wait, I love this. And then ending at this sort of like final revelation point of like, no, wait, 
I hate this more than anything <laughs> in my entire life. I need to walk away. But the thing is, it's like that sort of roller coaster is part of my job. It's what I do for work. But it's it's something that I try to keep in mind when I'm, you know, just enjoying art that I know uh, things are not what they first appear. And you can't you can't not just judge things, uh, judge a book by its cover, but you also can't judge anything from your first impression. You need a second, you need a third impression to really sort of give something its proper due. Dave, what's your approach, man? When you sit down to play something, do you say like, wow, this better grip me in 15 minutes or I'm fucking out? No, I, I usually give it, uh, it depends on the game and how badly I want to enjoy it. Oh, um, that's interesting. Cause there's some, there, there's some games where I'm just like, <coughs> especially like when you work in the industry and you're just so inundated with codes for things, right? Like you right, really right. do have to, you have to be super selective with your time cause it's so limited and there are so many games. Yep. Uh, so you really do have to be like, okay, well, if I'm not seeing where this is going, hmm. At the very least, uh, I have you have to bail because there's just there's not enough time. But um, but like now that I'm not like I I I can let things marinate a little bit, and yeah. I think the the point where I end up bailing is if I start thinking to myself like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this just to finish this? Or like, am I actually enjoying it? Um, the most recent example that that happened with was, uh, shadow of the tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I rented it from Gamefly, which is a service that still exists in the year 2019. <coughs> uh, and I, I started playing it cause I, I, I enjoy those games. I don't love them, mm. but they're fun. You know, at least like uh, the first one was pretty good and the second one was bloated, but still fun. Like just like really nice popcorn of a video game. And so the third one, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I started playing it and I found myself like, like climbing around is not fun. Mm. Like get like, like in their effort to make these environments more realistic and like less like climb on the white cliff holds because that's the spot where you gotta go like i just find out like i'm jumping and dying all the time there's just too many things that you have to worry about with your grappling and and like hanging off of ledges and then the story everyone just sounds so tired oh my god like lara croft just sounds so bored i i I, yeah i i i i was so mean to the story of that game that the story director canceled his interview yeah. with me two hours before it went up I mean, because it's, and i stand by this shadow of the tomb raider would be a really wonderful enjoyable game if no one talked yeah no it's a it's a it's a bad story and i don't know what happened but like <clears throat> i don't know if like like the voice director or whatever was trying to get laura to sound like like solemn or something but she just sounds so disinterested in yeah everything that's Every, happening everyone does everyone does. uh and I got to a point when you get to that first like big sort of Incan town or whatever, like um, where the like yeah the, the, Inc- the the surviving Incan society yeah which like again like, you just kind of dropped into with no sort of pomp or circumstance mm-hmm. like uh, so I get there and I'm like okay 
and you know you have it's the part of the game where you like you have to actually start talking to people to find side quests and move the st- to move the game along. And I'm talking to people, and I'm just skipping dialogue, man. I'm just skipping and skipping Left and skipping. And, right. and I got to a point where like if I'm not even listening to people talking, what am I doing? Yeah. So I sent it back because like I, but I gave it like five or six hours, you know, which is a lot. Which is a lot. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I came back in Game Pass, and I was like, oh, maybe my opinions were unfounded, and I downloaded it and played, like, another 20 minutes. I was like, nope, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, it's just a it's just a dull game. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it's, you have to... I mean, obviously there are things, yeah. like, I, I, I had sort of this object lesson recently in the past week. Uh, so as, as like a reward to myself <clears throat> in the wake of Sekiro, I was like, I want to play something that is easy and dull and not going to surprise me and is just like going to like wash over me like a lukewarm shower. And so I bought Yoshi's Crafted World. I was, I was about to say, so you bought Yoshi, right? So I bought Yoshi. Yeah. And, uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, feel, feel good or good yeah. plus. Is it feel good? Good, good feel. Good feel. Whatever those guys' name are, the guy that make the arts and crafts Nintendo games, they keep getting better at making the ultimate boring game. Like it's like a <laughs> rising tide of making the perfect boring game. Like Kirby's Epic Yarn, levels are way too long, way too many collectibles, and it's it's like it's like a burden of boring. It's sleepy. It's nice and sleepy. Too much. It's too much to do. Don't make me do those levels where Kirby turns into a car so many times so I can get all the stickers, you assholes. It's mean. <laughs> Go to hell. It's it's boring in the wrong way. Yoshi's Woolly World, better, more immediate, more meaningful stuff to collect. It's just There's just those five bundles of yarn and you always get a brand new Yoshi when you find him. Pretty good at being boring, but then... These levels are like half an hour long. If you want to go back in and find that one bundle of yarn you, you missed, it's going to be an hour. Have fun with it, yeah. Still not good at being boring, guys. You're bad at being boring. Yoshi's Crafted World, this is the fucking Goldilocks test of boredom. It is... <laughs> everything is pleasant. Everything is beautiful. Everything sounds really good. The levels take about like seven to eight minutes to complete and it's really fun to go back into them because when you finish one level you could go back into it and there are three puppies that you can find three little puppies that don't have noses but when you go to find them it lets you play the whole level in reverse and you're looking at everything from the back of it and so all the things constructed in a cardboard you see like how they were made so instead of like the painted mountain you see on the front on the back you can see where like Masking tape has been wrapped around the box of cookies to like make that part that of the world. That sounds adorable. Amazing. Perfect. Perfect boredom. Perfect boredom. I love it. And while I was playing that, <clears throat> I've also, since playing Devil May Cry 5, wanted to go back to the old Devil May Cry's. And I was like, you know what? It's now been 17 years since I've played Devil May Cry 2. Jesus Christ. Maybe it's not as awful as I remember. (laughs) Maybe it's not... Fun fact. (laughs) Maybe it's not the worst thing in the fucking world. And so I fired it up. I played, like, through the intro and 
through most of the first level. It is so boring. And like, like it is just and not so, in the good way and not in the good way. Like you, you can, you, oh man, it's just like a big brown, awful level. Yeah. That the, was that, that was the brown era of video games <laughs> for sure. The enemies like the enemies like don't even swing at you. They just like sort of like, and then like Dante repeatedly swings a sword and like apparently nobody bothered to create collision detection because your sword just basically like moves through air it's like everything that can be bad is bad in it. So you can immediately tell a bad game that is truly bad. Yeah. But, like, you know, there, there are the experiences. Like, Sekiro is a game that, you know, if I had just been playing it for fun and not for a job, I would have really had to sit there and be like, keep giving this a chance. Keep giving this a chance because there might be something here. And I feel like... I don't know, like, this This sounds fucking dumb to talk about with your entertainment, but I feel like there, you need to have a level of discipline to actually get the most out of life, right? Like, I, I you know, you, you need to be able to say, like, you know what, I don't like this immediately, but maybe there's something more to this experience. And it's, I like, I feel like you did the responsible thing with Shadow of the Tomb Raider, of being yeah. like, you know what, well, I'm going to try. Cause that like that's how I've always been like I and I the the games that I find myself gravitating toward the most is especially like when I first started writing about games years and years and years ago uh, during the PS2 era was always it was always like the weird Japanese shit that was like half broken right right like yeah. like uh like fucking uh, disaster report that game's broken as shit and like it take it takes effort to love that game. But holy shit, the things that it does is worth the time you put into it. Yeah. Because nothing else is like it. Yep. Yeah, man. Like, uh, and and I think that, like, I don't want to say games have gotten away from that because I, I think that it's just shifted to, like, where more indie developers are willing to take those risks. But, like, the big, the big games yeah. don't do that anymore. Yep. For sure. Um, and that's where my time is less... I'm less willing to devote, you know, my finite amount of time on this planet with, yeah. uh, especially if it's not hooking me. Uh, but yeah, no, like I, speaking of Sekiro, like I, I'm sure I've talked about this before on the podcast, but like my, my history with like dark souls has always been like, I want to like these games. Right. So I buy them and I play them and I get like a couple hours in. I'm like, this is. Yeah, man, you hit the not wall. Not for me. You hit you, the wall. And, and I finally went the distance with Bloodborne because I was like, you know what? This game looks cool as shit. Yeah. Uh, it's on my PS4, which is cool as shit. Um, I, I'm i going to go the distance on it. And I think I might be ready to at least give Sekiro that shot because, again, like, fucking Samurais, that, that is cool as shit. Dude, well, or Shinobi or whatever. You'll really like Sekiro. Like, Sekiro is so indebted to that n n late 60s, early 70s, Lady Snowblood. Yeah, I heard someone mention uh, Kurosawa when talking about that game, like, how there's it, some, like, Kurosawa-esque moments. It's, it's, way less, and, it's way less Kurosawa than it is, like, the pulpy stuff. 
Like yeah, it's it's okay. it's way like, more lone wolf and cub. And... Yeah, like like the way the way I put it in my review is you can actually hear the sa- like the songs that RZA is going to write that sample <laughs> yeah. the dialogue yeah. from this game. Like it's that <laughs> end of the spectrum, and it nails that shit. Like it just nails it because like it's it's way it's too fantastical. To be Kurosawa esque, like right, yeah, <laughs> you know, like one of the great moments, and I like I, the thing that From Software does so spectacularly, and I think they do it better than anyone else in all of video games these days, is allow really spectacular set piece moments to uh, emerge completely organically. Like, there's no telegraphing of, like, there's going to be a big cutscene in here, dogs. Like, yeah. it's, they just, like, you will be walking along what looks like a completely ordinary path, and then something fucking bananas will happen. Yeah, or, like, like you'll be fighting, like, normally a game would telegraph the big dude at the club <clears throat> about right. to hit you. Right. Whereas in, like, in those games, you'll be fighting a couple guys, and then you'll pan the camera to your left and here comes this big dude with the club that you didn't see before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like one of one of the like very first things that happens in Sekiro, like when you're playing in the very first environment, you'll get to a place where you like, you can grapple up to, uh, you know, like a watchtower and you're looking over this like multi-tiered area where there are like samurai and archer, uh, archers sort of patrolling around. And you can you can eavesdrop on uh, characters in certain situations and just like hear them talk about what's happening in the environment or what's up ahead. And as they're talking, you know the the paths and rhythms of the other characters doesn't like it doesn't stop, it doesn't break. And so I was like up on top of this watchtower, looking down at like this like valley and just being like, all right, there's a dude, there's an archer, and I'm listening to this conversation. And then just like around the corner from you know one of the sides that i couldn't see comes like a fucking ogre like in, like <laughs> just an ogre in a diaper carrying a giant cudgel and i was like what who the fuck is this guy what is happening and like that's that's pure from software and like that's just a regular enemy that's just a regular dude and ah man it's great you you'll love it i i think it's the kind of game too that is so demanding but you'd find a lot of reward in pushing through yeah yeah like and i i don't know man like i <clears throat> it's complicated for me because that's a game did you finish it no i couldn't i literally oh. like i literally couldn't like there are fights that i just can't get past in the middle of did, that did you did you try getting good yeah, I well, Did I went. <laughs> it was really weird. Like, like I well first. Oh no! I'll go back. And- I, first, what I did was I looked out my window at night and I said, "Starlight, star bright, won't you hear my wish tonight?" And I saw a shooting star, and the blue fairy from Pinocchio came down, and she said, "Little boy, I will grant you your one wish to get good." <laughs> and it was fucking crazy. She made me drink a glowing monster energy drink. <laughs> And when I woke up, I had a tap out shirt on <laughs> oh, no. and a tribal tat. And all of a sudden I could just destroy enemies. Yo, what year is this dog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so 
so before before we bring it on home, I just want to throw this out there. I've also been playing a lot of Dead or Alive Extreme 3 Scarlet for Nintendo <laughs> Switch. Son of a bitch. Just a lot. A lot of it. So much. So much of it. And I want to make sure that I get this statement exactly right. Because I, I've been thinking it repeatedly. Here, I, I had to put this on paper so I, I could remember that I said it. For a game that's ostensibly billed as a very modern incarnation of a 70s male chauvinist's idea of relaxation, Dead or Alive Extreme, Be- <laughs> Extreme Beach Volleyball 3 Scarlet is impressively soothing. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. Oh my god. It's like really... Like, there's something... There's something about... Like, you're like, I'm going to go play some volleyball. And then when I'm done, I'm going to go buy a ninja lady some grapes. And I'm going to be like, will you play volleyball with me? Here's some grapes. And she's like, thank you for these grapes. I will play volleyball with you. Then we play volleyball together. I go back to my hotel room, play some blackjack, a little, little poker. And then I go to bed and I do it again. It's great. It's very... Is Dennis Rodman in this one? Dennis Rodman. Okay, well, see, Dennis Rodman is where things get problematic. Oh, no. <laughs> because that's... When, the, like, when you play this game, it's almost like there's there's the non-creepy mode, and at any given time, you can switch over into what is called creepy voyeur mode. So there's... Is, is, it, canada, is that the name? Is it, it's, it's not like, canonical. It's is, not, it like, is it in katakana? Like, creepy voyeur mode. mode. Uh, no. Like, <laughs> so in girls mode, you are the character you pick. Like, you can be one of the dead or alive women, and you're playing as yourself. And that's all good and fine. At any given moment, you can click the select button, and somehow this is even worse than creepy voyeur mode as a name. You can switch into what's called owner's mode. Oh, no. Yeah. And owner's mode... How did you get here? <laughs> I, like, I've never... I don't think I've ever played a game where the male gaze is literally a mechanic. Where it's, <laughs> where it's like, what if we gamified the male gaze... And in owner's mode, all that happens is, like, you watch everything that is happening in the game. And you can, you can like, take pictures of what's happening. You, get a, you can have a camera, and it's, like, the photo mode. Right. But then you're also, like, the steward of all of the girls, like, vacation... So you're trying to make sure they have a good time, and then you can, like, give them bathing suits. Right, well, the, and then that's been tr- in the game since the beginning, they, right? No, no. Like, the, the, the game from the beginning is, like, the, the regular mode where you pick the person who you're going to be. You're like, I am Misaki... And I'm going to team up with Hitomi, and we're going to play volleyball. Okay, together. and you just you just buy like you, yeah, you buy suits bathing suits. Okay. and like there's there, there's not a there's not a person giving. Yeah, them there's gifts. not like a creepy like unseen dude who's like here's oh, a bathing geez. suit, wear it for me. Yeah, it's very it's a very conflicted experience. <laughs> anyway. When you're when I when I when I am playing as when I get to be a twenty year old ninja lady, I'm having a blast. Yeah. 
Dave, yeah. you, this doesn't translate in an audio format. Dave is just like. No, it's funny because like my, Dave, my wife actually. Dave, my, they have a wide variety. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, my, like my wife actually really likes the, uh, the original game. Yeah. Because uh, she's it's it's actually fun mm-hmm. in between all and but you know she's also like I get to like give him stuff and like she'll you know, love this she, she even with the creepy mode well like the nice thing is is the creepy mode is like you really don't ever have to do it like you never have to like be the creep you could just play the game be as the it was creep. yeah you can still you know, you can just <laughs> be the creep <laughs> we just Dave and I just created a new Chemical Brothers track. <laughs> gonna, gonna we'll s- sample that. Sample that. Be the creep. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, like if you just if you just basically play it like it's the original game, it's awesome. And I like find it like I said, like weirdly like soothing as like a nothing game. Like that and Yoshi are the perfect pair of Switch games. Highly recommended. Breath of the Wild is terrible. <laughs> Dave, whose fault is this show? I don't. <laughs> Our lovely pants. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, I need to we pose myself. Dave's broken. Dave, they have a wife, uh, This This show has been brought to you by uh, our wonderful Patreon backers. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash continue podcast. Uh, any amount uh, that you care to donate or to throw our way uh, is much appreciated, but we do have special sections for backers at the $10 level and above and I am going to read them off now we have Ryan Brady Nick Grugan, Double Taco Yaddle, Gluttony One of Seven Ryan Mance, Derek Sanskrit Adam Condra, Matthew Peters Michael Coffey, Thierry Belair Eric Van Quill, The Fancy Manatee Denton Brock, Elio Dare Ludwig Kitzman, Stormshot Frank Sands, Kalen Houston Axel Olsen-Mangholt Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nilsson Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Bullet Bavon, Daniel Squire, and Tom. Do you know? Thank you guys so much. We've been doing this show for almost two years now. We're, two years. We're, we're almost there. In August, it'll be two years. I have to say that whenever I just think the word fancy, it is immediately followed by manatee at this manatee. point. I just it's inevitably. Good. It's a good name. It's so good. He's even got like a like a like a like little a happy picture little of, a, of a manatee with like a dapper little cat it's, on. Yeah, it's the best. It's pretty great, G- guys. Thank you so much. Like it, it, it really does mean the world. Uh, <clears throat> the reality is, is I probably would be uh, in in like the midst of a horrible chest cold. Would probably be like spoken word singing "Gangsters Paradise" to myself. Uh, by my lonesome, but the fact, <laughs> on a bunch of tussin. Yeah, like, but but the fact that I get to do this uh, with one of my favorite human beings on Earth and another of my favorite human beings on Earth, and you guys enjoy listening to it, and then we get to talk to you in the Discord. It's it means the world. Uh, speaking of which, if you do feel like backing this show, you go to Patreon.com/slash/ContinuePodcast, and a dollar helps make this happen. It's incredibly important to us. Uh, <clears throat> we are we are busy adults these days, and finding a way to justify to our spouses how, <laughs> how we take the time out to do this really, really helps. Uh, if you 
don't feel like backing, though, the most important thing you can do is share this show with a friend. You know, anybody that you know that doesn't listen to us already and likes podcasts and you think that they would enjoy it, just let them know. Just say, hey, or maybe, try this Maybe uh, surreptitiously download it onto their iPhone <clears throat> and then... Do it. I've done that to make family it, make members. Make them... <laughs> listen to it. I have taken... Oh, hey, you hear that new Eminem track? And then it's actually a continued podcast. They're like, have you heard... In their ears. Have you heard... This is delightful. (sighs) Wait a second. This sounds like a white guy doing really slow raps, but... (laughs) What? Um, yeah. Uh, you can also follow us where we infrequently post, uh, at twitter.com slash continue pod. It's mostly a place for me to dump the podcast. We we, we put the podcast there. Uh, uh, I don't like going on social media anymore. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's the worst. So, I'm sorry. <clears throat> like I, I hang out in our Discord all the time. Yeah. But uh, that's 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 how we do it, everybody. The like this show is spread by word of mouth, not diehard social media campaign. So, share it. Tell a friend. Keep sharing the tapes, MST3K style. Dave, you can be found on the Discord. You can you can you can find me on the Discord, and you can also find me on Twitter at David Robots. But I'm more like the guy kicking up his foot on the side of a Walgreens and just watching traffic go by, yeah. as opposed to like actually <laughs> interacting with the traffic. So, but yeah, if you say hi, I'll say hi. Uh, you can also find me uh, at a John Agnello. On Twitter, and you can find me every single day at escapistmagazine.com. Go over there. Uh, I've got a review of Sekiro up. I've got some other fun stuff. I, last week, I published an interview with Koji Igarashi, who was wearing a very jaunty hat when we spoke to each other. He al- he always wears that hat. He's got a he's got a crazy hat. Uh, nice guy, nice guy, weird guy. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, go there, read that stuff. In the meantime, you can also uh, follow our third code host on Twitter, at Susan Arndt, uh, and she'll be back next episode. Until then, everybody, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.